0: reviewing here! Buongiorno everybody! Welcome to another episode of I'm reviewing here! A podcast where I discuss and go through all of Satan's sound's top greatest movies of all time. Sorry, I screwed that up. Uh, Because you know the buongiorno... Is it buongiorno or buongiorno? Boner, Joner, Joner, I can't do it, Italian, I don't know any Italian, I'm saying Italian because uh, I'm speaking in Italian because we, uh, I am reviewing an Italian film today, see what I did there, I'm so clever, yeah, uh, but that distracted me, I didn't even introduce myself, hi, my name is Charlie Fox, and I am your host, no, I'm kidding, I kind of just wish I was named Charlie Fox, because isn't that kind of like a hot name, that's also my stripper name, I was a stripper for Halloween one year, many years ago when I was having a severe. depressive uh existential crisis and i um sorry if you heard that that was my phone um that was my phone literally going yeah you were and you were really stupid yeah you see there are signs everywhere what was i talking about oh yeah charlie fox hot name am i right charlie and fox every like celebrity imaginable whose last name is fox is good looking megan fox matthew fox uh the fox and the hound. Yeah, that fox was pretty good looking too. Am I right? Oh man, how is everybody doing today? Happy Wednesday. Yes, it's Wednesday. Uh, I should warn you. Well, not warn. There's a, you don't have to be scared of anything. Uh, Friday, there's not going to be an episode. Friday, the movie. Uh, what is the movie for Friday? Oh, I forget what it's called. Oh no, it is called The Crowd. It's a silent movie. Cannot find it anywhere, and I'm really pissed off that I can't find it anywhere because it looks really good, and it's supposed to be really famous, and I would never heard of it, and damn it. Uh, the movie that I was supposed to review on Monday is called The Hour of the Furnaces. I believe uh, My, it's slipping my mind right now. I believe it is an Argentinian film. Uh, And it's like the four hour long one. And this is the thing. I keep lying in these episodes because I I keep saying, oh, in the next episode, I'm going to watch this. And it doesn't end up happening. The Hour of the Furnaces uh, is this huge epic documentary that explores like civil and political unrest in one one country. And I forget which country it is. It's either a country in Central America or South America. Uh, It's on YouTube in three parts. The first part has subtitles. it's in Spanish. The second one is in Spanish with no subtitles, so I could not watch it and I cannot find it anywhere else. So it's really disappointing. I hate that this keeps happening. You know, I have this whole schedule planned out and then everything gets screwed up and I hate it. But uh, you know what? These are hard movies. Some of these movies are just so obscure. They haven't, you know, come... uh... I was going to say they haven't come to fruition yet, but that's not really the right phrase. I can't think out loud. You know why? Because also it's light right now. It's still light outside. And usually I review this at night so I can see myself and I can, that can like, I can concentrate when I see myself, but I can't because it's too damn bright out. So I can't even see myself. All I can see is this little garage band thing going, doo doo do. And it looks like a heart murmur. Uh, uh, it's scary. Okay. Shh. Okay. I'm good. Whew, I just hit myself. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah, I'm also recording early. Uh, Guys, when you cook, be sure to read the recipe in advance. I got home at like 6 o'clock today from work because I had to work late because I always have to work late where I work because I have a big job. And I was going to cook this amazing Turkish recipe. It's called Iskender Kebab. And you can get it anywhere in Turkey. I've never been there. It's usually served with meat, but obviously I made it vegan. I veganized it. And I've made it before, and it's delicious. But I forgot that uh, when you mix the vegan meat with all of, you know the yo- the yogurt and the tomato paste and all the spices, you have to marinate it for two to four hours. So fuck me, I'm so hungry already. Jesus, yeah, this podcast is is well. This episode, you know what? Look, I'm already like talking out loud about my feelings. It makes me forget that I'm hungry, which is kind of a good thing. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, man, it's a good week. Well, I have a lot of news to share on today's episode. I'm trying something new. Um, I do want to say one thing. Uh, If I'm too loud, guys, you can just turn the volume down, okay? I was talking to him. I hung out with my friend last Friday night, and he was like, I love your podcast, but you're so loud in the beginning with your intro. I keep getting deaf. You're deafening me. I'm like... Buddy, that's my shtick. Okay, I'm a loud person. I'm a loud person. And then we got into a big fight, and I bit off his toe. No, I didn't. Um, But, yeah, no, a lot's been happening. Great movies in theaters right now. Evil Dead Rise. Did anyone see that movie? Holy potato blood. Oh my God, imagine if potatoes bled when you ate them. It would be so nasty and messy. Yeah, one of, well, the best horror movie I've seen all year. I haven't seen a lot of horror movies this year, though. But wow, absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to see it again. And I already have hardcore crushes on the leads. Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan. And they're both Australian. Oh my God, so hot. Bo was afraid. The new the new movie by Ari Oster, who did uh, Hereditary and Midsommar, the weirdest freaking movie I've ever seen in my life. Like, like the weirdest. I've seen a lot of weird movies. This is probably top three. I kid you not. It's three hours long. I'm still processing it. I'm still digesting, digesting it. Did I like the movie? I have no idea. Should you go see it? Guys, I don't want to say, yes, go see it, and then you come back and, like, threaten me with, like, lawsuits or whatever. I really am not going to say anything. I'm just going to say, uh, Get ready. That's, a, that's a, uh, a warning and a compliment. Yeah, get ready. If, if you plan to go see Bo is Afraid, you will... Uh... Oh, my God. Well, I can't. I was going to say a joke about the movie, but I can't because it's going to give it away. But um, anyway, let's get started, shall we? Guys, big deal. This is the 25th episode of I'm reviewing here. Can you believe that? 20 freaking 5th epi- episode. And it's been a blast. Now, here's this new fun thing I'm going to do. I'm going to do this new segment every time. What's the arith- uh, arithmetic-, arithmetic sequence when it's like 25, 50, 75, 100? After every 25 movies, I'm going to do this new segment, and it's called um, Rank Time. Rank Time. But I have to scream it because that's I'm annoying. So every time I watch over 25 movies, I'm going to go back and I'm going to rank them because I do have ranking the greatest movies of all time in the description of this podcast, but I haven't actually ranked any of them. So are you ready? Are you ready? Ooh, this is kind of exciting. I got butterflies in my stomach and I got them in my uh, chest too. Yeah, they're flying up there. Maybe I'm just hungry. So all right. Are you ready? Here we go. Rank time. Okay, are you guys ready? It's just, it's kind of fun, isn't it? I mean, I don't even really like jazz music, but I like this. Little... Okay, five categories, and I'm gonna pick a movie that best fits this category. Kill me! I'm never watching this again. Okay, I don't like to be mean, but in Vonda's room, the 2000 movie, the movie, the Portuguese movie about uh, severe heroin addicts in this really bad, poor, dilapidated building in the city in Portugal, three hours long. I don't even want to blink in the direction of the smoothie again. I'm sorry. I know it's an artistic film and I know it has good intentions, but I, uh, it was absolutely positively dreadful. Sorry. Surprisingly disappointing. That's another category. Probably The Intruder. I have to admit, you know what? The Intruder did not stick with me and it's French and I love the the director Claire Denis. Uh, too abstract for me, too abstract and not really in a good way. OMG, I actually enjoyed this. My Darling Clementine. That is the Western with Henry Fonda, directed by John Ford. That was one of the early movies I reviewed. I forgot the name of this movie, I think, two episodes ago. I I couldn't think about it. But, yeah, you know what? I don't like Westerns. This one was so pleasant. It was very old-fashioned in Hollywood, and delightful and everyone was wearing cute little cowboy hats and there were horses and prostitutes and great story and Wyatt Earp and Henry Fonda was a god. I loved it. Jesus effing Christ. Morvern Keller. That Irish movie? No, Scottish movie? No. Oh god, what? What? language were they speaking i don't remember what accent was it i don't remember morvern cowler was the movie about the woman played by samantha morton whose boyfriend commits suicide and then she cuts him up and buries him in the mountains and then takes his money super super crazy last category the best so far the best movie i've seen so far out of all these 25 episodes got i just got like a lisp there i'm sorry Guys, this is really, really hard. I don't like doing this, but uh, it has to be A Clockwork Orange, I know. And it's, like, kind of not an original answer, because A Clockwork Orange, like, everyone's heard of that movie. Everyone's at least seen clips of that movie. It's a Hollywood classic. That movie I will love until the day I die. It is so funny. It is so twisted. It is so weird. It is so magnificent. It is just so, like, satirical and over-the-top outrageous and daring and audacious and, like gross but in like the best way possible and alex delarge malcolm mcdowell's character is the most lovable hateful villain in the history of cinema and um i just absolutely loved it a clockwork orange i already own it uh and i really want to own it on blu-ray i don't even really buy blu-rays anymore but yeah that is my favorite so far so that's it what you guys think cool huh cool huh? Okay, well if you didn't like it, you have to wait 25 more episodes, so I won't do this every time, okay? Alright, that was cool. Let's get started on today's movie art, shall we? Okay, today's movie I'm going to review is... (laughs) What's it called? I forgot what it was called. Oh, I'll tell you why in a second why I messed it up. Europe 51. Today I'm reviewing Europe 51. Take a listen. It was a name that sounded so sweet. So seductive. Synonymous with words, style, power. And got you there. Did you fall for that? There's no trailer for Europe 51. I can't find it anywhere. That was just a trailer for House of Gucci. Remember House of Gucci, that movie? Father, son, and House of Gucci. I actually didn't like House of Gucci that much. I'm sorry. I mean, Gaga, my girl. My girlfriend, Lady Gaga, she's my actual girlfriend. She's the only concert I've ever been to. That's actually, that's not really, no, that's not true. I saw The Killers last year. What am I talking about? Well, Lady Gaga was the best. Um, no, Europe 51, no trailer for this. Uh, this, I, I I liked this movie. I did. I didn't love it. Um, the main reason I didn't love it was because I think it just got a little bit long it got a little bit redundant what it was trying to say what the lead character was trying to emphasize in the movie and all that so very well done I think what I liked most about it was its story I mean its story was very very sweet and had a good message and uh, it deals with some really heavy topics and I'm gonna dive into like how shocking it must have been for this to come out and for them for characters in this movie to really talk about these really serious topics so candidly in the movie this movie came out in 1952 uh it's an italian made movie it was directed by roberto excuse me roberto rossellini why can't i i cannot speak italian to save my life jesus uh, he co-wrote it with a bunch of people Sandro De Feo, Mario Panozio, Ivo Perilli, Brunello Rondi. My parents just got back from Italy. Guys, I've never been to Italy. I'm dying to go. I have to go there next year. Like I seriously have to go. Uh, Roberto Rossellini, he is a he was a very very famous director because he is one of the directors of Italian neorealism. What is Italian neorealism? Oh, I love talking about this. This is when I love speaking like a prick to you guys. Like, oh, I will talk to you about this. Um, Makes me feel really badass. Just kidding. No. Uh, Italian neorealism. You may have heard of it before. It was a film movement. Italian neorealist films uh, basically depicted... Well, they they had a lot of qualities to them, but they basically depicted post-World War II life in Italy... From the poor uh, point of view, you know, like from the point of view of poor people, from the point of view of people living in poverty uh, in Italy. That was always the big thing. The movies, Italian neorealist movies, (laughs) they're very happy movies. No, they're not really. Uh, Some of them, you know, they don't always talk about the war but you know the situation that these these characters were living in—that's definitely a big topic in uh, Italian neorealist films. These films were always black and white. They were always filmed on site. I mean, th- this this is—it's crazy. I mean, just it really does like take you back to post World War II Italy. I mean, these people that you know managed to survive. Uh, this regime and, and, uh, you know, the movies too, they, they didn't really, uh, Europe 51 is kind of an example, uh, uh, an exception, I mean, but Italian year realist films, they didn't really star, uh, cast huge, big name actors, you know, they, they weren't like that. These were meant to almost kind of be like independent films, like indie films, but the big theme was that they have to be set in Italy. It has to be after World War II and the people got to be poor. That's pretty much it, and also the films are a little similar to the French New Wave, and that they don't totally follow, like narrative guidelines. You know, when I say narrative guide- guidelines, it, it means you know back then, a film needed to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, that's what got it. That's what made producers buy it. That's what sold money. That's what got people in seats. The French New Wave, uh, this is not a French New Wave movie, of course, but like the French New Wave and Italian Neorealism, they are similar film movements, in my opinion, and that they kind of reject, you know, traditional storytelling in, in, a, in, a film, in a filmic sense, you know what I mean? So they're really, really good. There's a lot of popular ones. And Roberto Rossellini, there, I said it again, I cannot say this goddamn name, uh, he did a lot of them. He did a very famous movie called Rome, Open City. There's a really uh, famous shot in that film where a woman is running down uh, a street and uh, the police shooter. And then I think the movie, spoiler, I think the movie ends that way. Uh, but that image is very, very popular. He did a movie called uh, Paisan? Paisan, which is on this list. It's on Sight and I'm going to get to that. I think it's like 10 or 15 movies away, I don't know Germany Year Zero, he did I had to watch that in film school Uh, Oh yeah I remember that movie Ending so tragically And (laughs) Goddamn movies are so tragic Uh, It's true though But uh, he was very famous Europe 51 Also known as Europa 51 That's why I stammered at the beginning uh, Before I introduced this movie uh, before I tricked you into listening to the House of Gaga trailer, uh, no, not House of Gaga, House of Gucci. Jesus, Europe Fifty One. Uh, this was a little different in that it's an Italian neorealist film, but it stars Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman, if you don't, if you're not familiar with her, she is one of the most was one is one of the most famous, iconic actresses of all time. She was a Swedish actress. Gorgeous, gorgeous, versatile woman. Uh, she was in a lot of Hitchcock movies. She is most famous, however, for Casablanca. You know Casablanca. Here's looking at you, you know that movie. It's her and uh, Boger, or I'm sorry, Bogie, Bogie, Humphrey Bogart. That was his nickname. Uh, one of the most famous movies of all time. She was in that, but she also won two Oscars. She, no, three Oscars. She won Best Actress for this movie called Gaslight, where she plays a woman who. You got it, is gaslit. Yeah, gaslit. Yeah, no one like yeah, I've like never used that in sentence until now. That she did a movie called Anastasia about Anastasia. No, it's not the animated movie with musical with songs. This is like a real epic movie. I haven't seen it. And then I believe she also won Best Supporting Actress for Murder on the Orient Express in 1974, which was this big, huge Star-studded uh, movie uh, based on the book by Agatha Christie. But anyway, Ingrid Bergman, though you know, I was very surprised to see her in this type of movie uh, for many reasons. Because I only know, I only knew Ingrid Bergman from Hollywood movies, you know. And Europe '51 is not that. This is an Italian movie. Okay, some issues. Some issues I had with it. This is an Italian movie, but it's not an Italian. The version I watched is all dubbed, an American. And I think what's a little confusing, it's a few things. So this movie features Italian characters, and you can tell that they're dubbed when they're speaking American. I mean, obviously you can tell that, you know, it, 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 it's it's obvious. But then the majority of the movie does not have Italian characters. It has what appears to be American or, like, British-sounding characters. So they are speaking in English. Uh, So I think there were two versions. I think, obviously, when the movie came out, they had one version that was totally dubbed all in Italian. Uh, What I'm curious to know is if Ingrid Bergman was actually speaking Italian in some of the scenes or if she was just totally dubbed because there are moments in the movie where... She's speaking with a character who is speaking Italian, but is speaking English because you know you can tell by their mouth. Their mouth is like you know it looks um, really awkward. It's like they're you know they 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 got a piece of bubble gum stuck in their teeth. But uh, yeah. Apparently, though, I don't think she was. I think she was. The, she, her voice was entirely dubbed in Italian. But this movie, though, uh, and the main version available, which I'll get to at the very end of this episode, you know, where you can watch this movie. Uh, this version I watched was totally in English. So, Europe Fifty One. What's the bout What happens? A lot happens in this movie. This does uh, g- generally have, you know, a, a full on beginning, middle, and an end. I would I would say that. It's not an artsy abstract movie. It is it does have a story. Has a very sad story. Ingrid Bergman uh plays Irene. Irene is living in Rome, post-war Rome. She's married to this American named George. George is played by this actor who I don't know, Alexander Knox. He was a Canadian actor. I don't remember I don't recognize him. Um Oh, actually, no, I did read a little bit about him. He had to leave Hollywood because of McCarthyism. I think, basically, he left because, you know, everybody was it was a witch hunt, and I don't think he wanted to get caught, or whatever. I mean, even if he wasn't a communist, you know, that's crazy. That is so crazy that that happened. I love reading about that. That is so terrifying and horrible, and, like, wow, it's insane. Anyway, uh, Irene and George are married. He's an American. They're living in post-war Rome. He is, they're a very privileged, rich family. Uh, they have a son named Michel. He's a, like a little, like a like a preteen boy. He looks like eleven or thirteen. Uh, he George is very rich because he's an he's an industrialist. Now, what confused me a little bit is Irene. I don't know what nationality she was supposed to be. Ingrid Bergman was Swedish, so, so you know she has that accent. And also, that's the thing, Ingrid Bergman. I mean, she has the accent. She has that voice that is so. The cadence in her voice is just so. Uh, it's hot. I think it's really hot. I think Ingrid Bergman's amazing, but you know she always talks like this. And why would you do that? Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. I don't like living in post-war Rome. It's so sad. Everybody is sad. Yeah, like that. That's uh, Ingrid Bergman is is pretty much speaking like Ingrid Bergman in this movie. But w- one kind of flaw is I didn't. I couldn't tell what. She, was she meant to be Italian, was she meant to be American? Her mother in the movie comes to visit, but her mother's living living in England and she has like a British proper British accent. So, I don't know, a little bit of of a flaw, but um again, I, I, did, I didn't really let that bother me too much, but This movie starts off uh, not really painting Irene in a very good light. Like I said, she's incredibly rich and privileged. And her son, Michel, is very sad. He's very depressed. When this opens up, she's uh, coming home late to this dinner party that she is throwing for uh, relatives and everything. And Michel is just so sad. And he just basically keeps going, you know, Mom, Mom, I need to talk to you. I feel... I feel sad and Irene is just very very cold and distant and she's just like I can't talk sweetie just go to bed like I I can't and he just keeps going mom please like I need your help I, I and you're watching it going what what's wrong with them and you're you don't really know but the truth is is that she is just you know in her own world and she just wants to satisfy the guests that are coming you know so and that's very very obvious you know the, the this instant relationship that you see she has with michelle and uh it gets really sad um i do kind of want to give a little i mean this is a narrative but just a narrative movie but i do want to give a little bit of a trigger warning michelle uh you know cries his eyes out that night and while they're having dinner they hear a commotion and someone yells oh my god michelle he fell down the stairs he fell down the stairs and they, they live in like this big, rich apartment complex with like a spiral staircase and they find Michelle at the very, very bottom of the steps. So George and Irene, they're freaking out and they rush into the hospital and he's in pretty bad shape. He's pretty banged up and they're like, what, what happened? He fell, didn't he? And they soon, I, I think Irene soon suspects that Michelle may have tried to commit suicide. So it's really, really sad. So she feels immense guilt and there's this really like tragic moment where she gets into bed with, Oh, Ingrid Bergman is so good in this movie. She gets into bed with him in the hospital bed and she just is crying and she just says, I'm so sorry. Like from now on, we're going to, we're going to hang out more and I'm here baby. And I'm going to, you know, tell if, if, if you're feeling down, like we're going to have a big talk and I'm so sorry that you did this and I wasn't there for you. She leaves the room and then, you know, uh, the nurses rush into the room. Michelle dies from a blood clot. Like right there, right after she promised that she would uh, be there for him more. Heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. It's such a sad movie. And and also like Europe 51 is very uh, daring, I would say, in that... This came out in 1952, and the characters, the actors, are saying... This is what I said in the beginning of the episode. They're saying really big words, like suicide or killed himself. Back in the day, you weren't supposed to say that in movies. The same way you didn't say sex in movies, you know? In, in, in like, a, a 40s movie, if it's a love story, you're, you're not going to watch them go, let's go upstairs and have some sex, you know? They won't even say, let's make love, they might, but it's kind of rare, you know, but in a in a, with a topic as as um <laughs> not pleasurable as suicide, oh God, that was so stupid, forget I said that um what what I mean you you got what I mean that you know this this is uh. It's a very very big move that Rossellini does in this film. He tackles these really horrible topics head-on. And that's what I really liked about Europe 51, you know? And I think a lot of other Italian realist films, you know, they're the same way. They really aren't afraid to to go there, to cross that boundary, and really say, not sugarcoat anything, and just say, you know, nope, uh, he tried to kill himself. We're not going to try and sugarcoat it and say, well, he was unhappy and... um, He chose to no longer, you know, they don't say it like in that old-fashioned Hollywood dialogue that's just not realistic at all. And this it's just straight off, you know, Irene says, no, he killed himself. Really sad. So, um, Irene is a mess after this. She's bedridden. She is heartbroken. She just cannot stop blaming herself for what happened to her son. And you feel it. You feel it in this movie. And you do feel for Irene. Irene, you know, and and this is kudos to Bergman's performance. You feel for her. She screwed up. She screwed up massively. But, you know, she's just so used to being rich and privileged that she just got lost in it. You know, I think she got lost in the life she was living. And it it is unforgivable in, in a way. Um, but you feel for her. You really, really do. You know, she's not this monster. She's not this horrible monster that you're meant to hate. And this is like a big part in in the movie is is, uh, atonement that plays so heavily into this movie. So we learn a little bit more about some other characters. She has a cousin named Andre. Andre is a communist and he is very, you know, he's very political. He believes that, um you know, there's going to be peace in this world and everything's going to be fine. You know, they just, remember, this is post-World War II, so, you know, they just survived this hell. He feels like everything's going to be fine. Uh, and, you know, he also tells her in one scene, you know, there's this good sequence where they're, uh, she's in the car, she's blaming herself, and he says, you know, something really, really thoughtful thoughtful, and, and um, obviously relevant to today, which is, he tells her, you know, it it it's not uh, your fault. It's, you know, Michelle's, it's not Michelle's fault because he was just born in this society that he's had to endure for so long. He had to live through World War II and he's a kid. Do you know how unbelievably depressing that must have been for him? So it's not your fault. You know, he says like he had to live in fear all the time. And then I love so much what Irene says. She says, why should children pay for it? Yeah. I mean, I love that quote. Why should children pay for it? Makes you think about that. That that quote. I wrote that down. That really, really hit me like emotionally because you see so many atrocities in the world, and when you understand that kids have to have to live through this, it's like no wonder they have so many issues growing up. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's sad. Um, so Irene uh, kind of ends up going on this little existential journey in the movie and she kind of gets more and more interested in humanitarianism uh you know she sort of gets introduced to uh the poor parts of rome you know like the poor neighborhoods and she goes and you know the the home conditions that they're living in are atrocious of course she meets one character played by i just have to call her out uh, or name her not call her out that means that i don't like her name her the actress uh julietta massina she uh was one of the most famous italian actresses ever she was married to a director named federico fellini who was uh like a god what the best and she starred uh in a whole ton of his movies too she was kind of compared to be to like charlie chaplin in a way because of her facial expressions so good anyway she kind of has a small role in this movie and she's dubbed and it makes no sense because she's italian and the dubber doesn't even have an italian accent whoever dubbed is totally american and yank and like you know oh yeah i'm in italy i'm in rome welcome oh look at my children over there you yeah, know it's just so over the top it's almost it almost sounded a little bit like a delco accent like oh yeah you know i just got back i'm meeting a hoagie here in the in rome yeah the 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 old nazis just burned down my house yeah it just it makes no sense it's so stupid but again that's what they did back then can't blame you can't blame it you cannot blame the movie for that so Irene, uh, you know, she gets more and more in touch with these people. She meets someone who takes her to the factory where they're all working. And she just becomes so disturbed by how all of it works. And, and you know, she takes in, uh, a, she becomes really close with a prostitute named uh, Inez. Inez, I think is how you say it. Yeah, not Inez, Inez. Inez. Uh, who's a prostitute and is also of course living in horrible condition we later find out that she's dying of tuberculosis and irene is just completely gutted again and and you know she keeps asking herself why is this happening why I, i just want everyone to be happy why is there so much misery it's not fair you know and you see this change i mean talk about a character arc this character arc that Bergman uh, does with her with Irene, it's just so remarkable. Uh, it really, really is. So things get even real. T- things take like a total one eighty. I'd say three quarters into this movie, where uh, so after uh, Inez dies, she goes um, back to her house and her son. She has a teenage son who is on the run from police. He's just, you don't even really know what he did. I think, um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He robbed a bank. I'm sorry. Yeah, he did that. And so he's on the run from police. He gets away. And she also, before he gets away, she tells him, like, go, 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 um, you know, get away from them, you know? So, and meanwhile, her personal life is just, her Her family does not understand what's happening to her. They think she's gone crazy. Her husband is a POS who thinks she's having an affair with her cousin, Andre. He thinks that's why she's been so distant and quote-unquote crazy with trying to help poor people out in the community. So stupid. And you can just tell her other family, you know, it's like they act like they don't even care that, you know, her son just committed suicide because she was too concerned thinking about, you know, her pearls and necklaces and everything. So... That's a big thing to point out in this movie. You know, I, Irene is really the only one who's trying to make a difference in the world. So, anyway, she goes back to Ines' home. Her son escapes. Uh, the police come and she basically gets arrested because they're like, well, what the hell? Why'd you let him go? You know? And um, he later turns himself in and Irene, again, just bursts out crying because, you know, again, it's just another person who is just trying to survive. And got caught. And now he has to pay the price too. And so she is just like completely shocked. What happens next is just unbelievable. She gets taken to a mental institution. Yeah. Her husband puts her there. The police basically put her there because they're like, you know, well, I think she's just really hurt because her son just died. So let's not arrest her. Let's just put her in this institution. And and they'll fix her there. It's so infuriating. It really, really is. And, you know, kind of a a bit of a pessimistic thing that Rossellini points out in this movie is that the church in the movie is kind of against what Irene is doing. You know, she meets with a priest in one scene and she tells him she she tells him. Oh, what's this quote? I love this quote that she says. Only through love will we find salvation together. You know, she says that. She also says, the only way not to be selfish is to love each other and ourselves. Oh, there's so many good quotes in this movie. But she tells the priest that, and the priest basically says, you know, oh, yeah, well, that's great. You know, like, you're doing God's will, but remember, like, we got to follow some rules uh, in life, and it sucks, but you just have to do that. Basically, he says, it's great what you're doing, but you got to stop helping the poor people out uh, because, you know, you're looking—you look bad right now, and look where you are, and you have to be with your husband, and— it's very sad, but you know what? Irene does not give up, and when she's at this institution, you know, she ends up becoming like a saint to all the other uh, uh, patients there. You know, there's this really oh creepy sequence where when she first goes to the institution, Rossellini sets it up that, you know, she's walking through and the music's playing, and all the patients are staring at her with these, like, death eyes. And I think it's because maybe she's rich. I think maybe that's why they kind of look at her like, oh, like, well, why the hell are you here? You know, either that or they're just looking at her because, you know, they're also just mentally uh, unstable and and they can't believe it. But it's a really bone chilling sequence and it's very powerfully done. They don't really like her at first, but this changes a little bit when uh, there's one patient who tries to hang herself and Irene and the doctors, you know, she runs up and, and saves them. And Irene kind of like holds this woman, you know, by her side. And people, I think the other patients see that and they kind of go, oh, my God, like she's actually a really good person. She's like angelic, you know. But unfortunately, she's living, Irene is living in a society that just can't accept that, you know, it, it goes against the rules. It goes It goes against societal rules and she can't do that. So how does this movie end? Not very happily, I hate to admit. She is basically told by the doctors, okay, you know, you got to stay here. You're unstable. Uh, You got to, you just have to stay here. And it ends on a very powerful note. You know, these patients... or no it's not patients i'm sorry the the uh not the patients i'm getting the characters mixed up the neighbors from the poor neighborhood that she visited you know the people that she was helping out and donating money to as well they see her outside the institution they see her through these like barred windows and they're all you know waving at her and and crying and just saying you know thank you thank you and irene just looks down at them and just, you know, smiles and just basically it's that look of like, I, I, I'm i so, I'm just so happy that I helped you out. I'm sorry I can't be there, but you know, I'm not going to change who I am. And this is how we should all be. And then your 51 ends. Wow. I mean, just talking about that look, that like, th- that, you know, Oh, God, I'm, like, speechless right now. Why didn't I love this movie? Like I said, it was just a little bit long. It was a little bit long. I think the editing was a little wonky in, in some scenes. I think that, especially just near the end, Irene's, uh, you know, speeches about peace and love and we all have to be nice and altruistic and and give back and help people. You know, it, it's all great. It's it's all, you know, I mean, hell yeah, that's what we have to do. There's a Jewish... uh. Uh, term called Tikkun Olam which basically means repair the world and that's exact. <coughs> sorry this is like a total tangent but that's totally what uh, Irene is doing in this movie you know and it's what we should all do so this is like a Rosh Hashanah themed episode anyway no that's like all about Rosh Hashanah give back to the people you know and Yom Kippur as well anyway uh I felt like, you know, that could have just a few scenes of that could have been maybe trimmed down a little bit. But overall, though, Europe 51, I mean, look at everything I just said. Everything in this movie is so meaningful, you know, and I think this is a movie where the themes and the messages trying to say are just so unbelievably timely. Am I right? Because you watch this movie, I mean, this is still, you know, I say this all the time. Critics, they love movies that came out years and years and years and years and years ago, but are still timely today, all the way in 2023, you know. This is still timely. There are still poor people throughout the world. There are still these rich, you know, assholes not doing anything about it. There still are people. There will forever be people who want to give back and help people and do charity. And then there's, you know, their parents or, or their friends that are... As wealthy as them, and they may go, uh, uh you, you mean maybe you shouldn't do that? Okay, just it, it's not gonna look good. Oh my god, I mean, that drives me up a wall, and that's exactly what Irene, you know, faces in this film. And it, it's a big, it's a big, uh, there's a huge message here that Rossellini's making, and it's a very strong message. Love one another, be nice, be kind. If your country just went through a goddamn World War II, uh, don't like be mean about it, you know. Come together as one. That's what you need to do. Come together as one and help each other out. Help a lending hand. This movie too, I I did a little bit of research. It wasn't really like, controversial is kind of like a big word, but there actually were some critics and there were a lot of people in Italy who uh, were a little bit, they didn't really like the movie's approach with how the church is treating Irene's character in this film you know and they didn't really like the communists you know this oh god communism you know this is like right when communism was slowly becoming like you know a huge deal uh in the world so I don't think they like that I don't think they like the on they didn't really well yeah they didn't really like that Andre was a communist and I think they were worried about the advice he was giving her and they were worried that might uh motivate some people to maybe you know go home and say mommy I want to be a communist too so there was that, and I think also they were they didn't really like how the church... They, they didn't like what the depiction of the priest in this movie. I feel like they didn't like that. You know, they would have much preferred a movie, and the Hollywood approach would have probably been where, you know, the priest is right there with Irene and going, yes, this is great, you have to keep doing it, you know? But it's a little bit more pessimistic in this one, um, and I think that's what makes it such a natural... Uh, slice of uh of you know post-world war ii europe not every priest and rabbi and and uh shah or whatever was was like that you know a lot of them were but no a lot of them were also like i've been through hell just like you i don't think what you're doing is a good idea don't cause any more drama don't 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 uh what's the phrase heat the pool No, stir the pot yeah stir the pot that's what i meant to say heat the pool <laughs> that's a cool thing to say though Stop heating the pool. You're going to be a jackass. You know, like that's kind of the whole uh, thing that Irene continues to face in this movie. And, you know, the, the religious allegory, the religious imagery in the film is, is not, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it is very subtle, too. Uh, Irene is clearly meant to be like a, an angel, you know, a saint, she's doing god's will in this movie that final scene of the neighbors waving and crying and smiling at her while she's you know locked behind a barred window it is so symbolic it really is i mean irene is like a modern day jesus christ you know irene christ jesus's second cousin yeah (laughs) no uh, yeah, Europe Fifty One. You know what? This actually talking about it more. It really has stuck with me. Um, just be a little bit shorter. Yeah, and dubbing. Last thing I'll say. I'm going a little over uh, today, but um, a little over time. But sorry, I just hit the mic too. You're gonna. If you watch a lot of old black and white Italian movies, it's important to remember that a lot of them they didn't film with sound. They would film with cameras and then they would add sound effects and dialogue later. So if you watch a lot, even if you watch movies that are in Italian with with subtitles, it's still out of sync. And they they did that to save money, essentially. Um, and it was so common back then. So they probably did it for this movie too, because even when they were speaking English, there were a lot of times I was like, eh, uh, Ingrid Bergman, did you really say that? Because it looks like you said like the F word, but you actually said in the line, you know, transport, I don't know, I can't, I couldn't think, what rhymes with, fuck, some words do, but I won't say what, uh, yeah, but, um, Italian cinema, though, is really, really amazing. And uh, I really can't wait to watch more. I You know, I'm sh- certain that there are a lot more Rossellini movies on here. I recommend Europe 51. It's not my favorite, but um, it's so well done. It's so powerful. I think the best thing about it, honestly, is its message and also Ingrid Bergman's performance. I mean, rest in peace to this actual saint of a person. I mean, of a human. I mean, like, not only was she beautiful, she just there there are scenes in this movie that break my heart and ingrid bergman never overacted in her performances she never did everything she did was just so natural and real and you just you you feel irene's pain you feel her wanting to just repent for her son's suicide you know and and just do better in the world and and i think her character is just so good i think it, it is just a fantastic character now I'm getting redundant <laughs> just kidding you're 51 where can you watch this movie uh you can watch it on the criterion channel but Matt Bussy I don't want to get the Channel. why not get the criterion channel it's great they have so many amazing endless movies on there and they have interviews with directors and actors who are in these movies they have so many bonus features and all that Okay, but if you don't want to get that, it is also on HBO Max. Uh, if you don't have that, then I think you're shit out of luck. I'm sorry. I think it actually is on YouTube, but um, it ugh, don't watch. Guys, don't watch stuff on YouTube. Don't watch movies on YouTube. I only do it if it's there and I cannot find the movie anywhere else and I can't even purchase it. I mean it. If I can't even purchase the movie, but it's on YouTube and someone put it on YouTube, then whatever. But don't do that. Don't take the cheap route, honestly. Try to watch this movie. In its enhanced quality, it looks fantastic. And uh, yeah, I would recommend you're 51. And I would recommend a lot of Italian neo realist films. And it's been good. Wow, this has been a long episode. I'm sorry, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. If you listen to all, if you have been listening to all 25 episodes, That is Hebrew for. Thank you very much. It's Yom Hatzmaut right now, uh, the day that this episode's airing, which is Israel Independence Day. So I'm in an Israeli Hebrew Jewish mood. Okay? Shalom. Now, yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in these past 25 episodes. I'm not done yet. I got a lot more, and I really hope you uh, stick around. Please don't remember to rate, I mean, please please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to I'm reviewing here. New episodes are every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Like I said, no episode this Friday, but I can promise, I can pinky swear promise, next week is a full week of movies, and I'm so looking forward to them. This has been great, you guys. Stay safe out there. It's really scary out there. It's always scary out there in America or wherever you are because life is scary. As we see in this movie, life is scary. But movies really can change you. And I hope that you're enjoying this as much as I am. And I know I say that every at the end of every episode. But you know what? I'm not original. And I'm trying to, okay? I had to carry my old toilet downstairs and the stupid wax melt or whatever it's called got stuck to the carpet and I could not get the wax melt off my fingers, okay? So annoying. And I had to use my fingers yesterday to make bagels, Jerusalem bagels. All right, I'll shut up now. Thank you guys. Have a good rest of the day. See you next time. Bye-bye.